Join us on the My Name is Daughter podcast and learn how to live life as a daughter of God. Hello and welcome to the My Name is Daughter podcast. My name is Abina Avina and I am your host. Thank you so much again for being here. I love it every time. I'm so grateful. I'm appreciative. I'm appreciative <laughs> all the things. If you follow me on Instagram, you will know that I am talking about anxiety part two. Um, last week we talked about anxiety and I will do a quick review just in case you didn't listen. I would definitely recommend you go back and listen to last week's episode. It really set up the the tone for this week. We're, like I said, we're going to do a high level review and then we're just going to go right into it. We are going to still talk about anxiety, but from a different passage of scripture. So let me just go right into prayer and let's begin. Father God, I thank you so much for your daughters, Lord. I thank you that we're here. I thank you that we're able to learn and grow and just know more of who you are, God. Know more of how you think, how you act. And then because of that, how you love us through that, Lord. I thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit that speaks to our hearts. I thank you for your son that came and died on the cross so that we could even have this level of access. We could even have this type of relationship where we can come before your throne of grace with boldness, God. We identify ourselves as your daughters first and foremost, and we know that you are a loving father who cares for us. Let your words come through my mouth and land on open hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so last week we spoke about Philippians 4, 6 through 8, and we discussed how anxiety, which in the Greek is the word merinmeo, is a word that means to pull apart, to separate. Um, one of the definitions has to do with distraction, which again is drawing apart. We talked about how there was an antidote in that passage about praying, um, petition, giving thanks, and presenting your requests. And when we do that, the peace of God comes. We spoke about how that is in alignment with our physical body, because when the body is in a state of anxiety, it heightens the limbic system, which is their survival mode, and it shuts down the logical system, which is called the frontal lobe. I totally forgot that last week, but I looked it up. And so it's just going to be fighting to survive. And the crazy part about that is I had mentioned last week that we're not built to survive, and I was doing more research. And it was talking about how if we stay in survival mode, it could lead to things like PTSD. We could live in that state of fear and that state of aggression, and the body is not built to handle that. I think it's interesting that over and over and over in the Bible, it talks about do not fear. When the angel meets Mary and Gideon and all of those things, the first thing they, that they said is do not fear. Side note, I don't know who came up with this idea that there's like 365 times in the Bible that says do not fear, but that's actually not true. Someone came up with that and that's spread like wildfire, but it's full. So sorry to break your heart. And, um, and it talks about with anxiety because it's being pulled apart. What it says, be anxious for nothing. That means not even one piece of your life should have any form of anxiety. All the parts need to be surrendered to God. That's why it says in everything with prayer, petition, so on and so forth. And then the peace of God helps physically the limbic system to go down, that frontal lobe to go back up. And even then, his peace surpasses the logic that is in aid. And it shows us and reminds us of who God is, how awesome he is, and how we need to continue to turn to him. 
So with all that being said, we're going to move into the new passage. And I want to talk about Matthew 6, 19 through 34. We're going to break it down. So it's probably going to be a little bit more of like a Bible study. So if you have your pens, paper, you got any type of electronics, whatever you use to take notes, I would definitely make sure you have that. Get your Bible so you can follow along. I won't necessarily be reading the passage, but at least you can have an idea of what I'm talking about if you have it in front of you. I am going to continue to read from the ESV. Um, so just in case your version is a little bit different, that's why. Let's talk about the context. Matthew 6 is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Sermon on the Mount is one of the most controversial, countercultural sermons. Jesus is being surrounded by all of these people who are like, who is this man? He's teaching, he's preaching, doing all these things. He speaks with one with authority and he is, all these people are gathered around him and he chooses to just sit on down. It's like, you know, I'm going to talk to you guys about some things that are on my heart. <laughs> and he gives over the next few chapters, this amazing sermon. Now that sermon addresses so many different things like anger, divorce. It talks about loving your enemies. It, it has the Lord's prayer in it. Um, in, in the Matthew version, it talks about judgment. And as we talk about uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount, in this particular section, I'm actually going to break it up because there is a section that usually is titled, um, like, do not worry or do not be anxious or something like that. But I actually want to go a little bit further up because I think the two parts are connected, even though a lot of times they don't connect them. So going for it, let's talk about it. So I'm going to break up the scriptures so that you could follow along. Verses 19 through 21, it talks about not laying your treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy. These can break in, but lay and store yourself, store your treasures in heaven where there's no destruction. The thieves can't get in because where your heart, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And the idea here is, is that it is about prioritizing. It's not, it's telling you not to prioritize the material things. Unfortunately, we live in a world where Material things are like first and foremost, and a lot of other things are happening. And I will say this, I feel like there's a shift occurring where people are focusing less on the material because they realize that it doesn't last. And I mean, Jesus has been talking about that since year. And so he basically says like, this is a waste of time to focus on the material things. Um, they're not protected. They are not as safe as we think. And so we don't want to invest our time. We don't want to invest our energy into this material things as the primary focus. The idea here is about value. Thieves and stealing, which is so cool because this is where we get our words, klepto, like kleptomaniac, uh, because the words here are klepties and klepto. And the cool thing that I noticed when I was researching is that it's not like, you know, someone is forcibly taking something. It's not an act of violence when it talks about the, the thieves can come in and steal. This is like that sneaky, stealthy kind of stealing. It is like, you ever like, um, what is that story about the fox? And I can't remember because the kids watched like this story about this fox and maybe it's the gingerbread man. That's what it is. And the fox is like talking to the gingerbread man and the gingerbread man needs to go across the river. I don't know. I'm sorry if you've never heard this, but whatever. And so the fox is like, oh, hop on my back. And the gingerbread man is like, yeah, right. And he's like, no, you can trust me. I'm a good fox because they've already built this relationship. Long story short, the gingerbread man ends up on the nose of the fox and the fox ends up eating it. And it's like, ha, 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 I told you I was a fox. Like, you should have just believed me. And 
So it's like that. It's very stealth. It's like overtime. Um, and it talks about mock and rust. Oh, I'm sorry. Before I continue that. So that is the same word that klepto, klepti is the same word in John 10, 10, where it says, I have come that you might have life and life um, more abundantly, where it says the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. It's that same kind of like stealth. It's not something that's like over the top. It's very stealthy. And so that's important for us to remember, because I think sometimes we think like, we're just going to see the enemy coming and we'll have the opportunity to be like, no, they're not going to take for me. Whereas it's the little things. It's the friendships. It's the things that we watch. It's the things that we invest our time in. That's what's slowly taking away the things that we that God has given us. Um, and the same thing, this is idea. I think this is the three things, the, the thief stealing, the moth and the rust to me represent things that take time. When you have rust, rust doesn't happen overnight. It's water slowly eroding, slowly eroding. Moth, they don't just eat your clothes right away. It takes time. And with the stealthiness of the thief and the slowness of, and the process of the moth and the rust, it's like we put our energy, we put our focus on these material things that over time, we don't know how long that is going to take. And yes, we'll have it for, for a while, but over time, they are susceptible to the enemy. They can... They can be stolen, they can rust, and they and they can go away. But when we focus on the eternal things, when we focus on spiritual things, then they can't be taken away like that. Our, we need to make sure that we are putting eternal value on things, not just worry about temporary things. We're focusing on our attention on the things that are everlasting because they can't be taken away. And where your heart is, is where your treasure is going to lie. And that is why it's important for us to know what we are taking in, what we're hearing, what we're listening to, where we're going, who we're hanging out with, because that is building that treasure. And that is in our heart. And so out of that heart, it says, even in the Bible, where it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, out of the abundance of the heart, that's how we lay our treasure. That's what we're going to invest in. That's where we're going to find value. That's where we're going to prioritize. So it's so important to guard your heart. Now, when we move forward, into verses 22 and 23 it talks about the eye being the lamp of the body and letting light in and now the eye is the way that things are let in and again this is talking about where your focus is where are you focused what are you constantly looking at what are you constantly consuming because that's the way that the body is going to go that's it's going to naturally follow what the eye sees and so but we have to make sure that the, 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 the focus is on the things that God has for us. That word in certain uh, translations is healthy. And in the Greek, it's haplos. And it's, this is so cool. It's single. It's simple. It literally means without fold. Why am I so excited about that? Because one of the ways you can translate it is undivided. Free from distraction. When it says that the eye is clear, when it says that if your eye is healthy, then the whole body is good. When your eyes are focused, when they're not distracted, remember anxiety is pulling apart, distraction is pulling away. So it's saying when your eyes are not distracted, meaning when you are not in an anxious state, your body is good. It will follow along and you will have just the sense of confidence and moving forward and your faith can rise because you can think clearly. Cause that peace. This is how these passages go together. I get so excited. 
because I don't think we realize how connected the word of God is. And even as I'm studying, I'm just seeing all of these things. I love sharing it with you so that you could see how the Bible comes to life. Again, this is a way that when you look in the original language, it just paints such a big, uh, such a better, beautiful picture that we get to see in in our translations. Um, and then the converse is true. When we let in bad things, then we are going to allow ourselves to be in that anxious state. We're going when we let in things that we should not be letting in. Our body's gonna follow, just like it did with the good things. And now we're putting ourselves in this state of fear, this fight, this flight, this freeze, this this state where the body now has to 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 shut one part down and overdrive. I mean, another part we gotta have all this extra adrenaline and all that things when the body just wants to be chill, wants to calm down. It doesn't want to live in that state of survival. Moving on, verse twenty four. This is now going into the idea of, um, you know, not, I'm sorry, this is going into the idea of no one can serve two masters. You either hate one or you love the other. Can't serve God in money. Now, unfortunately, this has, this verse has gotten to blow out of proportion where it's like people like hate um, money and money is the worst thing. And it's like all of these contexts, money is just a thing, just like this mug is a thing, just like this desk is a thing. Money is a thing. And it's not good or bad. It just is. And people have taken this or out of context. And it's like, it's the worst thing. Oh my gosh, would they be afraid of money? It's like, no, no, it's a tool. However, it's not a priority. God is the priority and he will use money as a tool to do what he needs to do. But we're not going to, as the imagery here states, it's not going to be something that's going to master us. We choose to have the master, God, be the one that we serve and surrender. It's the language here is so important because it really is an act of surrender. We are making a choice to say, is God going to be the one that I'm going to follow? And is God going to be the one that directs and orders myself? Am I choosing to enter into this with God or am I choosing money to enter into this? And it's important for us to realize and understand the language here that Jesus is using, because it's literally about like the, the idea of like slavery. And, you know, when you have a master and a slave, that slave has given up all rights. The master has all authority over that slave. They have all the, they say where that slave goes. So if we're calling God, our master, our Lord, we're saying you, God, have all authority in our lives. I am surrendering and submitting to you and, and you are, I am allowing myself to say, you are the one that's going to direct me or we're going to say that to money. You can't serve both. There's no way. It's like the idea of like multitasking. It, it's just not going to work. We can't do things that, and unfortunately, we can't do both things. Unfortunately, we try to. We try to have two priorities and it literally is not possible you have to pick one <clears throat> moving forward we're talking about now this is where the the section of like do not worry comes in it talks about so now in light of all this this is why i wanted to bring those those scriptures um explain that first because it's saying therefore because we just talked about this idea of laying treasure 
of your eye being the lamp of the body, of, of us being undivided. Because we just talked about this concept of putting God as the master and submitting to his plan, therefore, don't worry. Therefore, don't be anxious about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. And Jesus uses this imagery. He talks about three areas that I believe it's about the values, it's about your focus, and it's about surrender. He mentions three times, do not be anxious. And I believe that there are five reasons that I've, I've seen here why he says that. The first reason that I see is it's because life on earth is bigger than those things. It's bigger than the clothes. It's bigger than the food. Yes, we need them. But our life is more important than that. Okay. Second is it doesn't add to anything when you worry, when you're anxious. It doesn't add to your life. Number three, he specifically mentioned like the Gentiles do that. The people that are not called by God's name, the people who don't have God as their father, they are the ones that choose to worry. They are the ones that choose to be anxious. They are the ones that focus on food and clothes and things like that. But we are set apart. We are not like Gentiles because we know we have a heavenly father. We know what we need to be doing and we don't need to be distracted by all of these temporal earthly things. Number four is, I'm oh, sorry, one, two, three. Sorry. Oh, it's four things, not five things. My apologies. So the last one is God knows you need them and he provides. It's kind of like 4A, 4B. He knows you need them and he provides. It's what's crazy that I never really paid attention to. It talks about this idea of you of of you of little faith. And at first I was like, why would it be why would anxiety be equated to having little faith? It's this idea where do you believe that God not only knows that you have these needs, but that he's also going to provide for them? Do you believe that he loves you enough to make sure that you have everything you need? Do you have faith enough to know that the heavenly father you claim, the lineage and the legacy that you have is enough so that when you are in need, he's got you? That's where the little faith is. Now, I'm not saying that because, and because I have to make the disclaimer because I feel like some people would just be like, oh, you experience anxiety because you don't have faith at all. No, 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 no. I'm talking about in a state, okay? Having a little bit of a moment of anxiety is a very different situation. I talked about that on the last episode too than having a moment where your body just real quick, give a thought or whatever. This is why it's important for us to take thoughts captive so that we don't allow ourselves to go down the rabbit hole of whatever scenario we come up with that's not even, you know, it's not real. So we have to have the faith to know that God sees our needs. And it's interesting too, because it shows that the anxious moment and the faith can coexist because it doesn't say that you don't have any faith. It just says your faith is little. It's not a lot. And I think we need to know that because I feel like sometimes we think that there's any thought of anxiety, then it's like, oh, we're we're sinful or we we don't 
we don't do anything. We, we, do, we can't trust God at all. And it's like, no, 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 you can do both of those things. But again, it's a choice. What are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to believe in your heavenly father? Or are you going to choose to focus on this circumstance, focus on what's happening around you? It's a choice. And they, if they do coexist for a moment, you're all right. But then you have to come to that crossroad and which path, which path are you going to take? Which choice are you going to make? It's the idea of trusting just too little. So think about that. Again, four reasons why we should not be anxious. Life on earth is bigger than the things. They don't add to being anxious does not add anything to your life. Three, you've been set apart. You have a different way of living. That's why it's important for when people in the world or people that don't know God react a certain way. When you remember that you're set apart, not that you're better than, not that you have this self-righteousness or you're judging other people, but you just like, no, I know what God has told me. I know, or at least I'm pursuing that if you don't really know it, that that's not how I need to be reacting, even though the situation might look grim. I know there's something, there's someone bigger than that situation and that he has a plan that he will communicate with me, or at least a strategy on how to move forward when the time is, is necessary. And then lastly, God knows you need them and he provides. And this is where that faith piece comes in. And like I said before, Having a moment of anxiety doesn't have to be separate from or mutually exclusive to having faith. It's just which one you are choosing. So we've talked about, you know, even he says in the, I believe it's first, yeah, 31, where he talks about, don't be asking, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? That, the Gentiles do that. And why that's important is because he says instead of seeking after the things like the people who are not called by the name of the Lord, who are not his sons, who are not his daughters. Instead of doing that, we seek after the kingdom in verse 33. We seek after his righteousness. His kingdom is the way that he operates. His righteousness is the things that he approves of. It's the things that he is saying yes to. And this is what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. This is why it's so countercultural. And unfortunately, the Pharisees, those religious leaders of the time, were burdening the people so much. They were doing all of these extra things that God's like, Jesus is like, listen, you think you are the standard at this point? You want to say, oh, yeah, hate your enemies? No, no, I'm going to tell you, love your enemies. That's how the kingdom works. That's how... The righteousness of God works. It loves its enemies and it prays for those who persecutes them. Jesus is telling the Jewish people who are under Roman authority that they need to pray for those who persecute them. Are you kidding me right now? Pray? They thought that Jesus was coming to overthrow the Romans. And this is why it's important when he says, oh, you thought I was coming to abolish these laws. No, no, no. I'm coming to fulfill them. You thought I was going to overthrow the Romans. No, 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 no. They're going to stay in place. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to die by one of their ways of execution. And then I'm going to overcome it. 
because it's not about the Romans. It's not about the situation. It's about having the perspective of the kingdom and knowing that he is beyond the situation. It's like when he says, um, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've already overcome it. It's not about just getting through the trouble. It's about understanding that God has overcome it because of what Jesus did when he came to earth. This is why it's important for us to know the word, know what Jesus said when he was here, especially in things like the Sermon on the Mount, because it helps us to keep the proper perspective. It helps us to go to a higher level. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to love your enemies. It's hard to pray for those who have wrongfully used you. It's hard to be the salt and the light. It's hard to think about in your anger, not sinning. It's hard to think, you know, the adultery is not when you commit the act. The adultery is when you look on that person lustfully and when you ha they have it in your heart. It is a higher level of thinking, but that is the way of the kingdom. The Sermon on the Mount is about spreading the message of the kingdom of God so that the people knew it wasn't about the Roman Empire. It's not about that king, not, that, not about that kingdom. It has nothing to do with that. That was just the, the time frame. It's about the kingdom of God. And that's why this is applicable to any circumstance. Because no matter where you are, no matter if you're in a democracy or not, if you're in a democracy or a dictatorship, it's not about that type of political arena. It's about the kingdom of God and how he rules. It's not about one party or another. It's about the kingdom of God and how he rules, his righteousness his standards. When you do that, when we don't focus on what the Gentile would focus on, when you do that, then all of the other things are going to fall into place because your perspective is in the right spot. You don't have to worry about striving for those things. They will come to you. It says that being anxious literally takes away from your life. And when you are seeking God, it's added to your life. Being anxious takes away from your life, but seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness literally adds things to your life. Now, let me be very clear. We don't have the heart posture of, well, if I seek God, then I'm going to get the things that I want. No, 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 no. That's like that verse in Psalm that, again, people distort where it's like, oh, um, you know, God is going to give me the desires of my heart, not realizing, not that it's like, oh, I really, I really want to get married. I really want to get married. I really want to get married. And so I'm just going to give my life to God so that he can give me marriage. No, you give your life to God. You surrender your desires and then he will give you his desires. And that's what he's going to fulfill because that's the only thing that he's bound to. He's bound to his word. I've heard that the word desire is of the the father, sire meaning father, of the father. That's what he puts inside of you. And then that's what he gives you. That, that I mean, sorry. He gives you his plans and his purpose and his strategies and the things that he wants. And then that's what he fulfills. Because at the end of the day, we are surrendering the things that we want. We are surrendering the good things. We're surrendering the good things for what God has for us. It makes me think of that story. Um, I don't remember what I don't remember what book it is, but it's 
when right before Saul was like, God was like, um, yeah, I should have never done that. I regret that. Um, the prophet Samuel says to Saul, listen, you're going to basically kill all these people. You're going to um, get rid of the king, get rid of all the, the, the animals, the livestock, all, get rid of everything. Don't keep anything. You're going to go against the army. You're going to defeat the army and don't keep anything. And Saul took it upon himself to keep the king. He took it upon himself to keep the best portions, the best, and had the nerve to come to Samuel. It was like, look what I did. And Samuel was like, but you're disobedient because I told you not to keep that. I told you to kill. Then Samuel was going to kill the king himself. Um, and basically was like, just like I'm cutting this off, you're going to be cut off because you're not listening. And I think that's what we do. We see things we're like, oh, there's no way that God could be asking me to get rid of this good thing. There's no way that God could be asking me to get rid of my good job. There's no way that God, God could be asking me to step away from this friendship or this relationship. This is a good guy. This is a great girl. She comes from a Christian family. He comes from whatever. There is no way. And God's like, mm -hmm. that's the very thing I'm telling you to do. That's the very thing because he wants your heart. He wants your obedience. Are you fully surrendered to the Father? Are we fully surrendered? And this is why we have to remember that, again, his kingdom, his righteousness, the things that he sets for us to do, we follow his path, his path. And I'm, I'm pausing here because I'm trying to figure out if I should sing this. I'm going to say what I'm going to say for another time. <laughs> so moving on. Verse 34 of chapter 6. It's basically when he, he's talking about, listen, tomorrow's got its own stress. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about tomorrow. It has not even happened yet. Why are you, why are you, why are you over there? Be present. Stay where you are. Now Jesus is just telling them how, he just finished talking about how to pray. And in that, he talks about, you know, your heavenly father, which is discussed here, how the father knows you need things and you don't need to be anxious. He talks about the kingdom and his righteousness. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And then he talks about, give me this day my daily bread. Give me what I need for today. Give me what I need for the moment. Because sometimes we can't even make it all day. Sometimes it's moment to moment, second to second. We might lower. Oh, God, help me with these kids. Lord. Oh, help me with this coworker. Lord, help me, Jesus. Help me, God. And we need to be like, this is the day, this day, this day. I mean, it's it it it's like this. Um, it's reminiscent of when the Israelites were getting their manna. They said, "Okay, you want manna? This is what it is. I'm gonna every single day. You go out, you get manna enough for that day. On on the the sixth day, you get enough for two days because you're not gonna do anything on the seventh day. Every other day, one day. Six day, two days." These are the instructions. Follow my instructions. I'm going to give you enough for this day. You portion yourself out for this day. Don't try to, because if you get too much, it's going to rot and stink and there's going to be maggots and that's all the problem and nobody wants to deal with. Nobody wants to deal with the bugs. And if you don't listen and get two for the, the on day six, you're going to be fasting. <laughs> you're going to learn the hard way because there's cause and effect. There's obedience. There's consequences for disobedience. And you might either be hungry or you're going to be Flying in the festive. So disgusting. So give us this day our daily bread. 
Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough worries for itself, but you stay here. You stay here. You know, remember, the Father knows you need it. He's going to provide. There's no reason for you to be anxious. You're not a Gentile. It's not adding to your life. It's not adding to your life. There's more things. There are the things that are bigger than your situation right now. And I know that's hard to consider. I know it's hard to consider because what you see seems to be so big. But remember, the eye is the lamp of the body. When it is healthy, when it is in, in an undistracted state, the body will come into alignment. The body will come into agreement. And where your heart is, when you fix your focus on God, on his kingdom, and you're seeking his righteousness, Everything is going to fall into place. Your focus is going to fall into place because you're choosing to focus on what he has for you. You're, it, you see, I, I'm, I hope that I'm painting this picture of how it basically just comes full circle. It's all connected. It's all connected. It's all connected. Now, I don't want you to hear this whole thing. And then you're like, that's that thought I can waste my money, I can waste my time, do whatever I want. No, no, no. That's not, that's not it. We're not gonna sit here and be lazy. Okay, like Spanish fetish, soul stuff. We're not gonna do that. <laughs> We're gonna be diligent, but our value system is going to remain that we're seeking first the kingdom. Remember, I talked about these this passage here is about value, focus, and surrender. What are we valuing? Are we valuing the clothes? Are we valuing the food? Or are we valuing God? What are we focused on? Are we focused on the let? Or are we focused on the one who provides and knows our need that has an abundance? And it doesn't mean necessarily of things, but he has an abundance of, of, of perspective. He, we have the spirit of God in us that can give us an abundance of love, joy, peace, patience, and all the fruit. And then surrendering to the fact and making sure that as we believe and as we, 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 we walk in faith, we surrender our desires we surrender our will we surrender how we think it should go and we we can trust in our heavenly father it's about priorities because i prioritize god and because i prioritize the fact that he is my heavenly father i steward my things well and this listen i get it it's easy to fall into i've done it it's easy to fall into wasting time. I've done it. It's easy to fall into. But that doesn't mean we can't shift our perspective. It doesn't mean we can't change. Thank God for his redemption. Thank God for his redemption. That he always is ready to have us, to accept us, to receive us. And we can turn things around. When we set things in proper order, Everything else lines up without us having to do the most. We give everything that we have to God. We surrender our will. We surrender our way. And he takes care of it as we continue to work. We're not worrying. We're not being anxious. We're not being divided. We're together. And so I hope that, again, with last week's episode and this week, this helps you to paint a picture of how to not allow anxiety to rule your life, of practical steps that you can take, faith-filled steps that you can take. Um, God wants his daughters. God wants you to live a life when you fully trust in him, a life that's set apart 
of life that knows that no matter what we have or we don't have, that because we have his perspective, because our focus is on his kingdom and his righteousness and his will and his plan and his purpose and the bigger picture that he has, we're going to be all right, even if we don't get what we want. Because it's not, it's not him. But the cool thing is that he partners with us and he allows us to, he allows us to like get in on it. And the kid is awesome. So, it's going to take. God, I am grateful. Well, I'm so grateful for your word that comes to life, Father. Anything, any seed that could be sown into your daughters that would help them draw closer to you. Any water that was poured on them so that you could make those seeds grow, Father. I pray that it would remain. And anything that is not of you, God, would be cast into the sea of forgetfulness, God. Thank you for your beautiful daughters. I pray that they would remember that you are a loving father. He cares for them. He cares for us. We care. You know what we need. You know what we really need. You know what we really need. And sometimes we can't see beyond what we're going through. But if we keep our eyes focused on you, if we don't allow ourselves to be distracted, if we keep ourselves faithful, we know that in the end you're going to get the glory and thanks for taking us off of her and love you Lord they're blessing over your daughters in Jesus' name amen a big extent thanks for listening please follow like share and subscribe leave a five star review so this message can get to as many women as possible who need to know their identity in Christ thanks for rocking with me I appreciate you